patrons and ACAST Plus listeners. Rose here with another bonus full interview. This is the conversation that I had with Madeline Ashby from our episode on sex robots. So just like the episode, this bonus interview is probably not one to listen to with your kids. Obviously, that's up to you, but we do discuss sex and sex organs and sex toys and that kind of stuff. So consider yourself warned. Okay, without further ado, here's Madeline Ashby. So yeah, so I guess um, I have a bunch of things about sex robots that I kind of wanted to to ask you about. But you sort of proposed you can't, you emailed me and were like you you should do an episode about sex robots. And like I'm I'm curious like what about them interests you? Like why you think that like these this is a thing to that we should all talk about? Um, I guess uh, I had I think when I emailed you about it, I had seen a paper. Um, possibly the one that you just mentioned. Um, I think actually. Um about uh sort of you know whether like the ethics of this how soon should we anticipate it what all is you know the um you know who would do this and why what is the uptake going to be et cetera, et cetera. like are we going to see like early adoption and like what you know who are those people going to be and like how do we rewrite laws around this and and so on and plus i have like a personal interest in it in that like i wrote a bunch of i wrote a couple of books and i'm at work on my third on you know wherein this becomes a um a possibility and one of the things that i get asked about a lot is this possibility sort of like you know do you think this will happen who will use this why is your vision of this so dark blah 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 blah. yeah yeah i mean do you think that like this is inevitable um yeah yeah on some level um, I think that like, and I say that not because like, I think that people are perverts. I think we're, although I do think that we are all perverts, I think we can thank, um, the advent of Victorian sexuality for that. Um, but, uh, I think that, um, it's inevitable because I think humanoid robots are inevitable. Um, and the reason for that is that that is really baked into our culture into and into a lot of cultures all over the world. Um, I think that the fascination with creating life and creating something in our own image is sort of baked in at the biblical level and baked in at the even at at the level of fairy tale, you know, um, the creation of Pinocchio or the or the creation of other life or even um, in modern fairy tale terms, something like um, the Velveteen Rabbit. Right. If you love something enough, it becomes real. Um, so I think that our fascination with this topic is not going anywhere anytime soon. And as a result, you know, there are second order effects from that, including the development of, of sex robots and 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 so on. So, yeah, I feel like I, I've read a couple of papers that are like. 100% against sex robots and they you know like campaign against there's like literally a campaign against sex robots I think that's what they call it that's um, adorable yeah uh, <laughs> and they and a lot of the arguments that they make are rooted in sort of a uh, arguments against sex work in general they just say like sex yeah. work isn't ethical therefore this yeah. is unethical which like yeah. I have some problems with <laughs> yeah no that's yeah I yeah no I don't I don't hold with, I don't hold with that at all I actually just uh, the 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 promotional copies of of a book that I wrote uh, about the future of sex work um, are coming out right now. That's a novel called Company Town from Tor Books, and that's coming out in in the summer. And uh, and so yeah, I've I've always I have always been 
as much as I can be on the side of, of sex workers um, without actually, obviously without actually being one. My, my knowledge of, of that world is limited to the writing about that world and documentaries about that world. So um, there's a saying in a lot of activism that is n- nothing about us without us. And so like as much as I can be, I'm, I, I am on that side of that world, but I, but I can't also, I cannot pretend to speak for it either. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, the, the argument that it's, oh, it's just like sex work. And it's like, well, and <laughs> right, right. And like the and paper, I should, what, send, else, yeah. what else do you have? <laughs> right, right. You're like, okay. Um, I should send you, I'll send you this link to this position paper that like, basically the position is like, sex work is bad. Robot sex work is bad also. Like, that's yeah. pretty much like where they go. Um, yeah, no. When in fact, like, if you believe that sex work is bad, then you should in theory believe that the more robot sex workers there are, the more people are getting out of sex work. Right. They do address that. And their their position, as far as I understand it, is that it basically reduces people to things and sort of perpetuates this idea that like women are objects and that, Mm. you know, if Mm. we if Mm. we have these sex robots, then, you know, people will also rely on prostitution and they will just see them as the same thing. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So the argument it's sort of the the like the the second wave feminist argument against pornography that like if you if you continue pornography, it'll just feed the appetite. Exactly. Uh, right. I believe they actually cite that in the paper. <laughs> I, yeah. Sound, I was going to say, that sounds extremely familiar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, be- I I haven't read it in a little while. I'll send you a link to it. Uh, it's got some interesting points, but a lot of it is just very much like, I'm opposed to sex work, and therefore I think that this is also bad. Um, right. Which, like, for me, I'm like, okay. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, so I guess one thing that I'm really curious about is that Whenever conversations about these robots show up, it's always they're always called sex robots. They're not called like love robots or like right. partner robots or like thing you so, might join like add to your relationship robots. Like you know, they're like it's very much like oh, we have this idea of like lonely men relying on like there's this very in- weird sort of specific narrative that I feel like comes up all the time. And I'm yeah, wondering why yeah. you think that is and like whether that's well, it, true. Yeah. I think lonely men and tech get associated a lot. <laughs> lonely white guys in their basements. Lonely, lonely privileged white guys who are straight in their basements, um, making use of various technologies. Like that's that's still the stereotype of gamers, and that's kind of like half of why we're in the position that we're in, right? And and stuff that that there's this idea that technology is only for a certain few or a certain type of person, and that that perpetuates across like why certain people like why that group gets hired more in tech for example like more than more than women do um because there's this presumption that tech is only for a certain core group of people or that you can't possibly be interested in tech if you unless you are within this within this uh this sort of paradigm of of humanity um and so i think there's this idea that you know lonely lonely white straight basement dwelling bros um are super into this when in fact like you know that's a really straight um narrative a really straight and sort of heteronormative straight and middle class version of how sex actually unfolds um you know the the fact is that as you say like you would probably be you know the use of sex robots is probably going to start with things like experimentation um, adding to your relationship, trying out something, learning a technique, 
that's the I never I like literally the purpose of a lot of our machines and devices and and apps and interfaces and the things that we interact with the pieces of technology that we interact with every day are often there to teach us how to do something or to or to normalize our behavior <laughs> um, and so the idea that we wouldn't be just like using these these machines to learn how to be better at sex or better at interaction is really fascinating to me that like you wouldn't just use it as a set of training wheels. <laughs> yeah. I've never considered that, but that's like very, like it seems like, Oh yeah, that is a thing that people should do with these. Um, I, I wrote a short story, uh, um, for Flurb magazine at one point, which is Rudy Rucker's magazine. Uh, and it was about that. And it was about sort of like just using the, it was some, it was a girl who, who used, who had a boyfriend in her phone and she, and the, her parents didn't want her to date, but they wanted her to do this first. And it was so that she would learn how to be treated. Like she would learn to be treated respectfully, um, by this, by this, uh, this program um, so that she wouldn't put up with any ill behavior from future lovers. And, and I've so, sort of always like been interested in that idea that like, you know, maybe this is the, you know, it's like clippy, but for your relationships and, and stuff that maybe what you need is, you know, if, 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 uh, if health classes across the world, across the globe, can't teach you how to treat others or how to, accept treatment from others um then maybe this is the sort of the next step the thin end thin end of the wedge i I love the the visual image of like clippy being like i see that you don't know how to perform oral sex can i help you yeah right yeah yeah yeah, i mean your your partner seems bored (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and also like in some ways maybe there's like uh just like because my mind goes to the like kind of somewhat dark place usually is like oh like teaching people that like when someone says no you stop or like you get electrocuted or something like there's like some like very strong negative it's it's like the the idea because consent is so is so is is at once so complex and so simple no no is no is no and a lack of talking is not is not consent is not yes the the absence of no is not the presence of yes um and uh and at the same time, learning how to give and a- how to ask for and give or decline consent is actually incredibly complicated and incredibly nuanced and, and stuff. And, pe- and there's so little education on how to deal with that problem um, and how to deal with that interaction. Like we don't really get a lot of practice in that interaction. You don't like get the opportunity to sort of learn how to say no or yes or how to say this far no further um and so i think that some sort of way of learning how to negotiate that is actually would actually be great yeah it's almost like when you have like doctors who have like practice patients who are actors who aren't like actually dying you know, right. It's like yeah, you can yeah, learn yeah. how to like deal with that without worrying that you're going to actually kill somebody or like. Yeah. And in, and in sort of iterative design, like whenever you're, whenever, um, or, or sometimes when a, when a corporation or, or a company or an organization is prototyping a new interaction or prototyping a new service, they will continue to c- continually iterate and practice that interaction until they get it right, until they, they hit on the thing that they need to do that is also beneficial to 
to like the customer or to the other person in the in the transaction. So it's it's a thing like and yet we don't sort of really f- we don't practice that. We don't, you know, learn how to do that. When in fact like for example, like my mother used to drill me on how to call 911. Like she would she would sit there with me at the phone back when phones were like this and keep the um uh keep the line closed. And we would practice me giving the address and me talking about what had gone wrong to a to a nine one one operator, and she would be the operator, and I would be the person calling, um, so that I was down pat and could call for help at any time. <laughs> and yeah. stuff. And but we never think to do that in like actually really difficult interactions. Like calling for like calling for help for nine one one is actually like comparatively really easy, and you can often it's often so easy that you can do it by accident. I once called nine one one from a hotel room at one point, and security was there in like a minute <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to dial out nine, and then I hit one accidentally, so it was mm. like nine one one, and they and uh, and then immediately giant burly people were at my door. <laughs> yeah, that's scary yeah yeah i mean so i guess like and and this is like i'm interested in i mean i do want to talk about the sort of the heteronormative uses of of sex robots because i do think that that's something that you know will obviously happen as well but like there are other other ways people might use these that aren't just as a replacement for a female companion or a male companion or whatever it is um and i'm wondering if like you know if you think that when you know these these sex robots are probably inevitable at like does it start with people who are using them just like does it start with a lonely dude in his basement or does it start with people who are sort of more experimental and would say like hey maybe we'll introduce this to our relationship or maybe like i you know they like i can come up with like a, a bunch of different ways people might use them that aren't just like oh i'm a lonely dude and i need something to have sex with yeah i think that like you have to look at where like at cost and at things like the presence of um of privilege in in those particular interactions like um if um if you are buying time with a sex robot if you are if you are um if you are in a relatively like privileged position like you're you know upper middle class or wealthy and you want to add something to a relationship that is on par with um with buying high end like Eve Behar um, sex toys or something like that, um, then yeah, I think you'll see, you'll see that adoption. I think the other place that you'll see like at the lower, like the, the opposite end of the privilege spectrum, you'll see adoption at the level of people with, um, various types of disabilities, whether physical or, or mental or, or mental health issues or, or what have you, um, making use of these services in the same way that, that people make, that people on that end of that spectrum use uh, make use of sex work services now. Like there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people. Like it's very weird. There are a lot of people on the 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 the, the purchasing end of this of the spec work or of the sex work spectrum who are very well off, but they are well off because they are incredibly busy and they don't have. They literally don't have time for relationships, and so they make they they either have a bunch of Tinder dates, or sometimes when they want a sure thing, this is what they do, and they and they're buying a certain experience. Um, but there are also other people who, for whatever reason, don't 
have the confidence to make relationships work or they are um, underprivileged because of their location or how much money they, they make or how, um, you know, where they are physically or, or what have you. And they are sort of making use of, of these other services so that they can have a complete human life. And, and so, and I think so often we use pieces of technology so that we can have that complete human life. So I think you'd see it at, at sort of both ends of the, of the spectrum and it wouldn't necessarily be lonely. Like I think the loneliness aspect is, is something that people forget exists on, on either end of that spectrum that um, it's not just, I don't know. It's not just mean people who can't get dates, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, but no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, one and, thing... Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say, like, I think that, like... And I think that the thing that people forget is that, like, this is also a thing... Like, we think about men buying sex robots a lot or men interacting with sex robots a lot because we are used to thinking of men as... Or straight men in particular as um, acquirers or collectors of women that they have a number and they have they like to um they like to rate women they like to rate interactions they like to you know um collect women and and sort of collect experiences from women and what we forget is that the especially in a sex robot context that this could be really ideal for a lot of women who are either done with dating guys or who want to have sex with another person but in a really safe way yeah I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, you can't, you know, aside from a malfunction, we're assuming that ugh, your everyday basic sex ro- male sex robot or other sex robot is not going to not going to not respect your consent. They right. aren't going to rape you. They aren't going to pressure you. They aren't going to do all those things. And I think that for a lot of women, that would actually be fairly ideal. Yeah. Right, right. And then, I mean, then you can get into, like, dystopian sci-fi conversations about, like, hacking other people's sex robots, but, like, that makes Oh, sense. yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the other, other thing. Or living in the, or living through one, living vicariously through one, observing through one. Like, not even just hacking them to do other things, but just to give the, to give the eyes over, to give the ears over, right? To, mm-hmm. to inhabit the, bo- to, or to view vicariously through that, through that organism. Right, right. And that's like, and this is something that comes up when you look like when you start reading about it, right, is like teledildonics and things where people are like mm-hmm. far away from each other and want something that maybe like more like a larger scale, perhaps than like a sex toy that they were using or something that is in the image of the person that they are you know, in a relationship yeah. with or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, a projection, a sort of a, a sort of puppet or a, or a projection of, of the self. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's, to me, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that these, it might be like interesting and perhaps even good, but I think also I do want to talk about like some of the like darker ways that this sure. might play out because like, um, it's not like, oh, well, everyone will just be super respectful and use sex robots and it'll be great. Like, no, you know? yeah. <laughs> like um, so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about like some of the, you mentioned earlier, like the, you've, you've written about some of like the darker sides to this. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that too. Well, um, in I wrote a couple of novels um, in a series called The Machine Dynasty, uh, which is ironically from a publisher called Angry Robot Books. And those are VN and ID. And the third book in the trilogy is coming out soon. It's called Rev. And in the first book, in, the, in that first novel, um, we discover that people in that, in that universe, um, people are able to sort of slowly grow robots if they – 
um, if they get a smaller robot, they can grow them slowly by feeding them slowly because they eat the material that which makes them. So, um, so the more you feed them, the more they grow, and uh, and which means that you can keep them sort of in stasis by by putting them on a diet, and uh, and this means that there's like this market for uh, people keeping their robots as children and having sex with them that way. So there's this thriving sort of underground network of pedophiles who, who use robots for that. And that's not like, that's not just my idea. Like I think that that's um, uh, Charlie Strauss takes that up in a book called Ruth rule 34. And, uh, and it's, um, and I think it's probably been discussed elsewhere. Um, it's a hard thing to go looking for cause you really for sure don't want Google to remember that about you. But um, the, uh, the, th- but it's definitely an idea, and it's an idea that comes up a lot when we talk about sort of therapy for for pedophiles. Because overwhelmingly, the the studies and the data on pedophilia show that there is no curing it. There is no there is no the only thing that works is community support in the same way that like Alcoholics Anonymous works. Um, you don't stop being an alcoholic just because you go to AA. You stop drinking. And I think that's the that's sort of a helpful narrative to help us understand like how um, how pedophilia works, which is that you don't stop being a pedophile, you don't stop having the urge or the desire or the inclination. What you stop doing is offending. If 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 we are all lucky, you stop offending, but you might not. You might not be like you may not be able to stop. And so the the idea that if hey we could just dis- distract these offenders with with robots or with uh, with some other sort of prosthetic, I think holds a lot of attraction for a lot of people who are who are very scared and rec- and and who and who uh, don't and who don't believe in in other in other methods. I guess. Yeah, I've read that a lot. Like the, yeah. this this like premise of like okay, well, what about people who either you know maybe it's pedophilia, maybe they have other things where like they like they're really into like violent sex people who are like have yeah. rape fetish that kind of stuff where you yeah. can yeah. you know off gas some of that yeah whatever yeah, the it idea, is that the the idea that 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 people who are sort of practicing or or um engaging in their in their desires are no longer part of the general sexual population i think whole, that idea holds a lot of attraction for for people that you know oh but if we give the if essentially if we give them a toy to distract them they won't bother us anymore <laughs> is is sort of that idea and i and i think for for some people that probably does hold a lot of weight that maybe that's true um that you could maybe limit um a lot of offenses if you had this other this this other sort of buffering system um sure the the question is whether or not you believe in the in the ethics of that and and that really comes to at what point do we decide that uh that something is a person right yeah i mean and also i as far as i can tell in all the reading that i've done about this which right like it's kind of awkward to be like googling yeah no about pedophilia i promise i'm just researching like please don't arrest me um But, like, I have not yet found any evidence that that works either. Like, I don't no. think that we know. It's it's not as though, it's not, I mean, it's not as though pedophiles have an, a non-functional uncanny valley response. They have it the same as everybody else does. 
they desire something different physically. They have a different physical desire and they have probably a different emotional desire as well. Like they, they need to be with someone who is, who, who can never challenge them and who will never have power in the relationship ever. Like that's a thing that they need or a thing that they feel that they need. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and so maybe having a robot would sort of, you know, hit that particular note for them or push that particular button. Um, but uh, the thing about you know the the same things that that squick us out about humanoid robots will probably also squick them out too. <laughs> so right. uh, so first you would need like a really perfect like a really like believable um, entity like a really believable shape and and face and interaction um you know the you need more human than human in, yeah, in especially with kids i would because like yeah. child oh, yeah. robots are creepy <laughs> oh yeah well because i mean you know child actors are creepy <laughs> child, you know like any any kid who's at, like kids who are asked to play kids oh like that's like even child actors have a really rough go of it trying to approximate what an ideal of childhood is when in fact like most kids are not, you know, the way that they appear on film and television or, or, or what have you. They are, they mostly just want you to leave them alone. Like, <laughs> like, like kids have this like age where they really want to interact with you. And then like past a certain point, they just really want you to just get out of their hair and stop asking them to do things. And it's like, if you, <laughs> um, if you, uh, tried to program that in, it would look like such it would look like like malfunctioning. It would look like like functioning because yeah. and a bunch of avoidant behavior. Yeah, right. It's like a like a very annoying teenager. It's like you yeah. don't want to hang out with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess one thing that I'm curious about is like if there is a group of people, like let's say that these robots are believable enough to to work. Like they're they're like you know we get to the point where like you know they're not perfect, but they they're close enough that people are willing to kind of enter into these relationships um i mean it like if there is a group of people that is like opts out of sort of human to human relationships and decides like this is going to be my thing like is that is that a bad like do we is that bad like i know that there will be moral panic regardless about this because like there always is about everything um particularly with like technology and relationships but like yeah you know like does like if someone decides like you know what a human i don't understand humans I can't make this work. I'm going to just go with this robot thing. Like, is that something we should be worried about? Is that bad? I think so. I don't think so. Honestly, I don't. Um, I think that there's a moral panic. There is usually a moral panic that is disguised as a demographic panic. And we've seen that happen in Japan with Japan's falling birth rate and the fact that a lot of women are just like simply not dating anymore. And a lot of younger men are simply not dating, the, the, the so-called herbivore men. And women who are frustrated and, and then professional women who are frustrated at their lack of freedoms within uh, within Japan's system. Currently, there's an ongoing debate on whether or not, like I think it's like five women have brought a suit uh, to the Japanese government that's saying like, hey, look, we should be allowed to keep our names after marriage. Like that's illegal. Like the like you your husband and you have to have the same name. Like whatever name it is, it has to be the same. Uh, there still and uh, at the federal level, you can't 
like once you're married, you have to change. One of you has to change it, which is ridiculous. There's no real reason for that. There's it's that's silly, um, but it still persists in in uh, in the 21st century. So um, so I think a lot of women there are just sort of frustrated at their lot, and they um, and they've been sort of just not like not dating and they like because what's the point if you're gonna if the end point of a relationship is to enter into this um into this unequal partnership then why start why start in the first place when when in fact you can go to um to butler cafes or or um or entertainment clubs or something and have a wonderful interaction uh with someone on your own terms um so i think that and then, you know, as a result, we've seen this sort of moral panic within the Japanese government about like, oh, the falling birth rate and, you know, men aren't men and women aren't women and da da da. And we see this in the States too and, and in Canada. It's like um, in in countries where where immigration rates are allowed to sort of take up the slack that among educated, usually white uh, people, um, the birth rate is falling because a lot more – a lot more more men and women are sort of discovering that um, raising children can be a mug's game, <laughs> and you have to, that that you should want it before you do it. Um, so I think people choosing robots would instead would fall into that. You know that they're that the first question would be what a you know like it would get disguised as sort of what is wrong with these people and why are they choosing this and like what does it say about the st- the the state of human interactions and and da 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 we don't know how to talk to each other anymore and and blah 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 but what it really is is like you're not having babies and feeding the tax base right you're not <laughs> there's there won't be anyone to pay into social security anymore gonna make those robots pay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like and that's the thing. It's like tax around it. For every year that you're in a relationship with a robot, you pay for it. Mm. You know, in the same way that in the same way that married couples or couples with children get um get tax credits, tax tax the relationship, like tax the tax the use, tax the, you know. And is that discriminatory? That yeah. <laughs> But so, but a lot of a lot of childless couples would also say that it's discriminatory that that couples with children get this giant tax credit. So, you know, like it's I think like uh, it's never it's never entirely fair for everybody at that level. Yeah, right. Or like your robot has to pay some sort of like social security tax. And like you obviously you have to pay it for them. Like they don't. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it's you working. You know, well, uh, like that's the other thing like that's the other question is like can these can these entities make make their own money who can they own themselves you know can they you know who who is the what is it when we say i am i am married to this person i own him right well that was going to be my can you can you and that that's the other that's the deeper actual ethical question is can you love something that you own um, can you say that you truly love something that you that you also own? Like even down to and weirdly, Mad Men asks this question, right? In the Jaguar campaign that Don Draper comes up with is like, finally something beautiful you can truly own, is the tagline for Jaguar. <laughs> and it's like, oh boy, yeah, that's yeah, that yeah. Can map over onto relationships pretty quickly, I think, and already has for some people. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was gonna ask because like. I think there's interesting questions to me, you know, about like, are these robots sex workers? And if so, do they get 
protections? Like, like at what point do they become like part of that world, or are they just still totally separate because humans and robots are not the same? Yeah, um, I think that uh, each. I think that that's an. I think that's a really fascinating question because um, uh, sex workers are actually usually, um, you know they they have their own communities and one of the ways that they protect each other is in communicating with each other and sorry i have a cat on me um who's walking on my keyboard um so one of the ways that they protect themselves is by protecting each other and engaging in a community and engaging in in conversation about like bad clients bad agencies um bad management bad clubs, like whatever, um, you know, bad cops often, um, and so on and so forth. So I think like, um, the, there's a, there's a way for, for robots to be really helpful there, which is, which is in recording things and reporting things being used as a surveillance device that instantly reports on bad clients, bad police officers, you know, um, bad, you know, it's like, it's a, it's quite literally a body camera, right? It's a camera that's in a body and, and stuff. And it can report on where an incident happened, who was involved, like at what time, um, what, what led up to it, et cetera, et cetera. Like I got into sort of my, my support, my, my desire that sex work be decriminalized, um, started, uh, Probably, like, I thought about it actively in, like, my late teens, early 20s, um, when, because I grew up in a part of western Washington where the Green River Killer was very active, and he was very active when I was a child, and so we were always hearing news about him, because he killed fairly regularly about, like, two times a year. Um, He was active for about 20 years. He's confessed to killing between 45 and 50 women possibly more. He doesn't remember. He or he alleges not to remember. Um and many of those women were sex workers who were uncomfortable talking to police because of their status and what they what they did for a living. And so because of because their behavior, their their way of making money was criminal, they felt that they couldn't talk to police officers. When in fact many of them had like everything that they needed to catch this guy. And and way more women would, would be alive if they had if they had felt comfortable coming forward. And so like, there's this interesting, you know, if, if, if we had decriminalized um, or if it were decriminalized um, much earlier, we would probably catch a lot of people doing a lot of really terrible things much sooner um, because people would be, feel at least somewhat safer going to the police. If, if if decriminalization is not on the table and robots arrive first before decriminalization, which is kind of another conversation, um, I think that they have the opportunity to do a lot of good in highlighting those behaviors from a, from, from a position that I think, frankly, a lot more police officers would be willing to trust. Yeah. It does feel like, Oh, well, like, you know, women lie, robots don't lie. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, the machine could never lie to me. The you know, it's like, and that's and like we're we're in the middle of like placing a huge amount of trust in body cameras, right? And we've already made that decision in terms of surveillance cameras. Like, even you know, did that kid take that bracelet from that store in the mall? Well, ask ask the camera. Go look at the tape. You know, like that's you know that's we've already made that bargain. 
um, we've already decided to trust um, surveillance over, you know, SIGINT over human, right? We've already decided to trust signals intelligence over human intelligence. Like that's already occurred. And I think now we're seeing a backlash against that. But whether or not we actually invest in the procurement necessary to boost human intelligence um, at the security level, that's something else. Um, I think that, um, you know, secretly, you know, and this is a surveillance security terrorism question, but John Le, John Le Carre has always been right. <laughs> like we should always just be we should always just be like investing in sources and informants and spies because they are the people who actually understand how humans work. Um, you know, literally, drones drones don't like drones see children as tiny terrorists, like, and so do the people operating them, and and stuff. So it's it's sort of like you know. But we still trust them with that job. And I think in this context, in a sex work context, it would be exactly the same. It's like, well, I don't know if he raped you, but I definitely know he tried some things with that robot. And that robot costs more than you, so I like it better. Yeah, right? but you can also imagine, like, oh, people <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't try things with the robots that they would try with with women, right? Like, I can also imagine yeah. people saying, like, oh, well, you know, you can't, you can't get away with it with the robot, but you can. You can't get away with a, with the robot, but but you, you but you might with humans. And so like, I think there would almost be like sort of a sex, a sex arms race there a little bit, um, in terms of value for money and like what people are willing to do and, and whatever. And that's a thing that sex workers have dealt with since the beginning of time, I think, and that, you know, um, uh, trying to negotiate what are safe spaces for them and how they can continue to operate within, you know, regulations and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, I can also imagine like sex workers using or like incorporating these robots as like almost like a safety for like measures. Yeah. Saying, like, hey, yeah, like you you're paying for me, but like this robot's going to be like part like you pay extra for the robot. But then like it's also kind of there as a surveillance tool or like a yeah, way to kind of like, it's like be it's there. It's observed everything we yeah. do and, and I will, you know, and if something goes awry, I have evidence. <laughs> Right, right. Because, like, you know, often, like, the, right, one of the challenges is that, like, you can't, like, often sex workers can't bring someone with them. Like, they, like, some of them, yeah, like, no, yeah, you know, sometimes often, you can, but you can't yeah, usually. It's, yeah, it's often, um, for someone to, like, in Canada, at least, like, currently, I think, under Bill C-36, um, it's still illegal, like, it, like, the sex work is legal itself, but it's still illegal for someone to make a profit off of someone else's sex work which is because that qualifies them as a pimp and pimping is illegal um but what that also means is that you can't employ a bodyguard you can't employ an assistant like like just a manager like someone who helps you um organize all your dates and organize all your appointments and and whatever and helps do your taxes and whatnot uh you can't employ those people and it also means that your children can't live at home with you because technically your your children still fall under that. So you can't practice you can't practice at home, which means that you can't run your business out of your home. So you're actually like going out to like these random locations that are probably not as safe. Either you pay rent on another space where all of your work goes on, so you're paying double rent um or you're renting out a, a business space or whatever. Um so you're paying double rent or paying a mortgage and and a rent. Um or uh uh, you are um, going out to hotels and stuff where you can't control the environment at all, and uh, and that in itself is also super dangerous. Yeah, or it can um, be. Right, right. Uh, this is like a, a separate and like maybe silly 
technical thing, but like one of the things I've been thinking about with these sex robots is like how warranties work, like how like how who yeah, maintains them, like how do you fix them if they like who like there's like this. I mean, because like with a lot of technology, it's like oh, once there's like fluid involved, you like you don't no one will touch it right like if you spill yeah. coffee on your computer and take it to the apple store they will like put it in this like biosecurity bag because they like don't know what the liquid is uh and i'm just sort of curious like what that structure looks like and like who is in charge of it i think whoever like i think probably the model would get adopted from like the sex toy industry like um they the higher end the higher end sex toy industry, like they, they promise a certain level of service and a, or maybe not service, but a certain level of um, competence that like this is guaranteed for X amount of use over time if you follow these directions, which is to say if you use the cleaner that we provide with you provide for you, if you if you don't if you don't do X, Y, and Z to it, if, if you don't try to like essentially overclock this device, then we can guarantee functionality um, up until like the the end of the warranty date and and stuff. But it's like it's also a because it's a material science question. It's like um, it's not just a software and programming question. It's like how much can this how much can this device this physical device handle? Like um, if for example there's a sex robot who is having sex with um, like a morbidly obese client. Um, at what weight can the machine, like, how much weight can we put on the machine? How much weight can we put on on this person? Um, and in like, how flexible are they required to be? Like, what is the you know? And that those are like engineering questions. Those are you know, quite aside from who is using these or why or what for. Um, it's a uh, how much you know? What are what can the machine withstand? And then are we going against warranty? And that in the case, for example, in the case of the morbidly obese client, is that also discriminatory? If machines are not being built for them, then can we say that they are truly being served? Like in the same way that like, and we ask this question about things like the Apple watch all the time. Like, why is the Apple watch not big enough, like not small enough for my wrist? Why is it that the, that the iPhone six and the six plus are way too huge for my hand? Because they've presumed a user, and they pre- presumed the shape and body type of the user, and and so on. So um, you know they haven't designed with me in mind, and that goes for dick size too, on a robot. Yeah, I'm imagining like you know when you go into IKEA and they sometimes show the like stress tests that they do on the chairs. They have the little glass case and they have the little like sort of pistons going up and down, like pushing on the chair like a, a thousand times or whatever. Uh, I'm just imagining that, but like with a robot. Well, that's what they do. That's what they do for sex toys, right? right. Like sex toys gets and like and for condoms too. Again, the Japanese condom industry is like way more stringent than um, than uh, than condoms that are than than the American or or Canadian condom industry. Um, so like those get tested, like the average kimono condom gets tested way more aggressively, (laughs) um, than the average Trojan. Um, so like, which is why like once you, once you get into it, you'll find that people are like, no, 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 you have to buy Japanese that are the safest. Um, and, and stuff. So it's, I think it's a thing. It's like you, you would also have to be conscious of like what the, what the development process was for 
for these these sort of entities, these people, these machines. Um, you know, were they tested? What was that process like? Because no one like no one wants to no one wants to have have sex with a with a Chevette, right? You don't. <laughs> You don't want to have sex with something that's going to malfunction on you. You don't want to have, um, you know, you don't want you don't want unsafe at any speed in your bedroom. <laughs> right. You're sort of vulnerable. <laughs> in that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and I'm also yeah. thinking like, okay, like you know, just like in the packaging, like certain positions are like off limits. Like they can't do these things. Like it can do these other things. Like and just like the actual sort of like details of how this works are like sort of fascinating and like kind of hilarious to me. Yeah, very uh, hilarious and profoundly unsexy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like like it's as sexy as an IKEA manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? and you have to like, just, like I'm imagining the poor graphic designer who has to like put this together, and and put it together in multiple languages or in I, the IKEA style where there's like very little language and just diagrams. Like the only like the imagine like unfolding this manual or more likely like looking at it on your phone and realizing that a no, nothing is written down and b like you have to figure this out. Only from diagrams, <laughs> like like not allowed. Do yeah, not do. Big, no big X these through. Are, <laughs> these are in these are in red. These are in red. These these positions are in red, but these positions are in green. So I think that means it's okay, unless I happen to be colorblind, in which case I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I also imagine like if you like start doing something or like moving limbs where they're not supposed to go, like very unsexy beeping happening or something, where it's yeah, like, no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like 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 leaving like leaving a refrigerator door open, like leaving a Samsung refrigerator door open, it just gets increasingly loud and louder and louder yeah which is like not something you want to have happen no no your neighbors are really not going to be appreciative of that yeah well i imagine the same way that car alarms are terrible right right i mean i I also do imagine that like there will be a like you know you can have different voices you can have it talk to you like all that stuff so i wonder if it'll be like you're you're hurting me like stop please stop or don't do that or i can't do that i can't do that i'm Um, sorry i can't do that i'm sorry i can't do that yeah um like that, that kind of thing. Like, sure, or um, or why don't we try something else? Or you know, what have you? Yeah, right. Um, they'll try to make it as like not unsexy as possible, but like it'll still be kind of. I'm, I just, I'm fascinated. I'm like ready. Yeah, to no, like, like writing the dialogue. <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah. Who who does that? Who is the voiceover person too? Like, who has to read all these like things out? Yeah. I'm I'm sure you can also get like I'm sure porn stars will be able to like be the voice like you know. You'll get the oh, they, yeah. you can have no, their body, you yeah. can have their voice, you can have the whole thing. That's a that's a thriving market for them. That's a way for them to and they are looking to make money because like they like they are in the world of, of not having they are losing money to, to like DIY porn sites every day. So I think like the opportunity to license an identity for, for that is like, you know, the next the next step for them because that already happens at the level of, of stuff like um uh custom molded sex toys and, and, and whatever, like people who, who have added their like labia to, to an existing sex toy because they've had it cast and modeled at a plastic surgeon. And then, you know, then it's branded with their name. And like, I think Jenna Jameson did that. And like, yeah, other people have done that. I think, I think possibly even James Dean. Um, oh, really? Though now all of his yeah. products will Ooh. like ripped off the market and like taken, taken away and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, uh, one time I ordered something from a sex toy store and I received the wrong product in the mail and it was no. one of those like it was 
I was like Uh-oh. horrified. I like opened the box and it was a, a, what was called a pocket pussy. And it was like a big, heavy piece of like rubber that was like Aww. modeled after Jenna Jameson. It was like her yeah. whole thing. And I was like, I do not want this. Like, this is not what I ordered. And like, it was, there, it was also like looking at it. I was just like, how would you even, you like, I just don't really even understand the like, cause it was like a square. So I guess you oh. have to like put it on something. I did not open the packaging any further. I was like, this no. Is... <laughs> well, those are those are like so men can have a masturb like a masturbatory sleeve, right? Like it's a sleeve, right. but it's odd that it's like a square because that actually doesn't fit the hand. Right. Like, the, I was yeah, very yeah, confused. Would, I understand the like yeah, flashlight thing. Like yeah. I get that you like yeah. hold it right. I get. I understand that. I understand the yeah. mechanics of that. Uh, this I was like, I don't understand how I would use this if I were like equipped to do so. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah. I mean, like, then I also was just like, I'm mailing this back to you because this is so not what I wanted. No, <laughs> so not what I ordered. Um, but so yeah, it had her picture on it. Very disappointed gentleman I know. with your. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was funny because like I, I, they were very nice about it. I was like, I was like, this is not what I wanted. They were like, nope, that is definitely not what you ordered. <laughs> like, send it back. It's fine. Um, but uh, but it had her picture on it and everything. She was like posing, and it was like this whole. I was just like, wow, oh, that is a whole other thing. I, I imagine she must get asked to sign those all the time. Oh, man. How creepy that must be. Like, that must be, especially if it's like, well, you want it in the box, right? Like, I'm not sending a used a used one. I know, but like, if she does, like, and that's the crazy thing, but if she doesn't, it's like, is that bad for your brand? Yeah. Is that like, like, bad for your, you know, your reputation or something like that? Like, at what point do you get to draw the line? And, you know, and so many of these, like, a lot of these people also work with, like, a talent agency or something like that, or, like, they have a manager or something, and so it's like, ugh. Yeah, right, they don't get to make do do? all their choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that I'm curious to about, like, sort of in this, related to this, is, like, the progression of, like, the different models that we're going to get. So, like, my guess is that you're going to start with, like, the skinny, blonde, boobed, you know, porn star version. And then maybe you get, like, some suicide girl kind of looking, like, yeah. or whatever. Oh, but, yeah. like, eventually yeah. there'll be sort of, like, custom, very, very custom where you, like, you know, you pick. It's, mm-hmm. like, sort of, like, making your, like, video game character, right? Where you, like, pick everything about it. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering, like, do you, I mean... Or, like, there's also the, like, sort of just more androgynous, like, humanoid, robot-y look. Like, do you, are people going to want things to look, like, as realistic as possible? Um, I think that, actually, I would be more... I think we are more likely to see um, a... Uh, um, a, uh, a cartoony look first. Like, I think that that's how you skirt the Uncanny Valley problem is to make, like, a more cartoony or anime-like or video game-like face and body and appearance um, so that you would see things that were, like, obviously not organic. Like, red eyes and blue hair. Like a Sailor Moon kind of thing. Yeah, like a... Yeah, or like um, Hatsune Miku. Like the, Mm -hmm. um, the... the sort of um projection performance like the she's the she's the face and body of um of the vocaloid software right and and she's incredibly popular there's a huge amount of porn about her um so uh so you i think you would see like a little bit more of that first uh, not only because uh Japan and other places is a huge market for it but um but because i think like it's easier to say I want, I think it's like weirdly easier to say, I want this thing that, I want to sleep with this thing that couldn't possibly exist. 
because then it's not a replacement for anything or anyone. It's not a replacement for a person. Uh, or it's it's not a substitute for a relationship that you might have. It's very definitely the achievement of a fantasy. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Um, so, um, which is different from like, you know, it's it's not like a it's it's almost not a it's not a sensible thing. It's not a it's not a a quotidian um, thing. So I think that uh, first you would see like kind of that that. Um, that 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 fantasy version of of that thing, and then you would see like sort of the the downward pressure to kind of like democratize this a little bit and like make as as things got accepted on the fringe, you would start to see that kind of like mainstream acceptance of of stuff in the same way that you see like the mainstream acceptance of like nerdy things. Um, or geeky things over time anyway, right? Like if if you had told, and I, I deal with this with my husband all the time, that if you had told him when he was a kid that the characters in his Marvel comic books would be known by the majority of Americans in movie theaters, that would have blown his mind. That, you know, that people, other people, like normal people, <laughs> mainstream <laughs> Mainstream moviegoers, uh, Joe Sixpack, would know who Tony Stark and Black Widow and Captain America were. That would have, I think, blown his mind. Because those characters were popular, but they weren't – you wouldn't say that they were necessarily mainstream. Um, nor would you say that they were making vast amounts of money, like that they that they were guaranteed cash cows. And I think people have seen that happen with Star Wars recently too, right? That you know, Star Wars used to be this like geeky thing, and there's this kind of like weird conflict going on in sort of nerd culture, like the oh wait, we're mainstream now. We are the evil empire. We are the we are uh, we are where the money gets made, and does that include a certain responsibility? And what does it mean that the that everybody gets our in jokes now? We're no longer part of an out group. Our identity is gone. Blah 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 blah. Which is usually sort of aggrieved whining, as far as I'm concerned. Oh no, more people like the thing that you like. Oh, what are you gonna do? Well, you don't it's like it in most, the right it's way. The most hipster anxiety <laughs> yeah. ever. Like, yeah. It's like other people might like Death Cab. What? Like remember <laughs> that from like ten or fifteen years ago? Like yeah. What? Oh, they were on the OC. They ruined everything. It's like shut up. Sold out. Now they're making money like and like living. Like. Yeah, <laughs> people like the thing that you like, and and some and the artist is getting funded. Oh no! God forbid. God <laughs> forbid. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think we'd see it kind of in the in a similar. I think it would unfold in a, at a similar pace and in a, in a similar similar way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those were sort of all of the questions that I wanted to ask you and I actually have to go soon. Um, sure. but Understood. this was really great. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for this episode. Um, I'm trying to think, is there That's anything so else that you think I should like mention in this? I mean, I'm going to talk also a little bit, I think about like, um, places that people might go where like you wouldn't buy one necessarily. You might like just go to a place and like use one. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Like, a, like a rental agency or a rental or a rental space. Like, I think that. I think that that makes a lot of – I think the idea that you would visit a, a space um, to make use of these de 
these devices is actually, or of these people, or of these this this service essentially to make use of a service um, makes a lot of sense because if the expense is high up front, people probably like everyday consumers might not have the financial wherewithal to purchase, right? Or and they might not have the fin- like the wherewithal to pay for like you know a subscription um, a subscription repair plan, like we were talking earlier about. Um, you know what happens when these things break down, and it's like, well, if you buy Apple Care, it's not an issue. But how many people buy Apple Care, and for how long, and at what tier? So, if you want like the best possible service, it's probably easier to pay for time than it is to pay for a thing. And that's how most people view sex workers in general, too. Like, you don't, you're not. There's there's an allure to buying a person, but what you're really buying is time. And and stuff in the same way that you're buying that for anybody who pay if you if you are paid an hourly rate for anything that's what you're buying is you're buying time, yeah, uh, and and stuff. So I think that the that makes a lot of sense because that's also you're also offloading the cost of things like insurance and liability to someone else, right? Right. Um, that if if something happens, say for example, you and your wife or you and your your partner go to uh, go to one of these places and something happens and someone gets injured and it's like even just like a really basic injury somebody like throws their back out or whatever which insects can totally happen um, who then is liable if you say for example bought a sex robot and then uh, you and then that happened is your girlfriend gonna sue you because you bought the sex robot or can can you sue? The owner of the of the robot brothel, essentially, um, the robot cat house, um, for not keeping up on their uh, repair plan. And a lot of people would much rather sue <laughs> the uh, the owner of the brothel than take the liability on themselves. It's an insurance problem. Yeah, yeah. And also, one of the, I'm looking at my little notes to myself when I was like brainstorming this topic. Uh, one note that I also made was like custom cabinetry for your home to put it in because it's big. It's like a human-sized oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. And the charging, like the the battery charging, the power thing. Like, how much is this going to cost you in power? Um, can you can you charge them off of a Tesla Powerwall? Um, can you like? At what rate do you like? Do they take different amperage or different wattage or whatever? Different amps, different watts from other devices. Can like, are you going to blow a circuit in your house, <laughs> powering this thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and how and uh, and so on. And yeah, that's there's there's actually a really good uh, film out now. It's available on Netflix called um, The Duke of Burgundy, and in and it's about this power relationship, this BDS, this twenty four seven three sixty five BDSM relationship in this like sort of alt fantasy world between these two women in somewhere like in Europe, and in that world, BDSM is so common that there's a custom, uh, there is a, there is a custom furniture designer who goes from house to house building new, like, torture devices and other, like, other devices for all these couples (laughs) and, and stuff. And she has a thriving business and she just goes from house, like, literally from house to house repairing these things. And she's sort of like a designer slash carpenter. And she builds at one point, uh, or she's going to build at one point, 
a bed that goes under the under their bed so that the the submissive in the relationship is constantly sleeping under her under her partner under her dominant all night with no way of getting out and it uh and i think yeah you would start seeing similar similar custom furniture and accoutrements and cleaning solutions like how do you fragrance these how do you fragrance a thing made of silicone how do you clean it that's like that's the thing i've always wondered is like would you be sold a branded flavor of cleaner <laughs> yeah or even like like human pheromones or, or like some some kind of like something to make it smell a certain way yeah like and a thing to make um make sure that like your dog and cat like it <laughs> yeah right like, they don't destroy it in in the terminator movies and in the terminator franchise there's this cliche that i kind of hate that's like the, the dog always knows that it's evil or something like that the dog always knows it's a robot um, um or the cat always knows that it's a robot um one i'm not so sure that that would necessarily be true like the dog might not react at all for them it might just be like a piece of furniture or just another machine it's like do cats like cats and dogs don't always react to television they don't always react to things like a grandfather clock in the corner they don't always react to to other things but in this case you would want to make sure that like you know the dog was not watching this thing fuck you and then attack it right like yeah that's very well happen yeah (laughs) If yeah. it perceives, and this, because that happens between organic people now. <laughs> right, right. It's like, I don't like, I don't like this human literally fucking my, or screwing with my, with my human, right? And there's jealousy between, in family groups, in, in pack animal groups, between dogs and humans. Um, you know, I don't like you touching her. I don't like, I don't like him coming near you. I don't like, you know. I, I sleep on this side of the bed and not the other side of the bed, et cetera, et cetera. Like you see this play out in human animal dine, or human cat and dog and human um, relationships all the time, right? So it's I, I'm super interested to see how that'll play out once robots are part of the equation. Yeah, my dog would not know that it's a robot. <laughs> oh, right? She, yeah, she sees. There's a house near us that has a little statue of a dog. Every time we pass it, she like freaks out and tries to like go say. She's very friendly. She like loves other dogs. Wants to say hi to all of them. And she's like, gotta go say hi to that dog. And I'm like, it's still a statue. Still not a dog. <laughs> still, yeah. No. Yeah. So That's she would a... definitely not know. No, there's a lot of like it's it's really interesting because like you'll see on YouTube like all these really cruel videos of like people like putting very lifelike stuffed animals in front of their pets and watching the stuffed animals like just go apeshit on them and just like re- like you know try to annihilate them, try to kill them. And what I always wonder is is it that they think it's another animal or are they having a really profound uncanny valley reaction to a thing that they know is not? Mm. Right, where it's like, I don't know what this is, but I don't like it. But I don't like it, and I'm going to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the ones with, like, the cat and the cat balloon. Yeah, the cat seen that the cat, I've seen the cat and, uh, um, and like, a tiger stuffed toy, or a cat and a cat stuffed toy, and it just, like, beats the shit out of it. Just, like, yeah. utterly destroys it. Like, tries as hard as it can to get rid of it. And what I always wonder is, like, okay, so are we looking at an early, like, sort of a, a, a smaller scale version of how we would behave with a thing that looked just like us? 
Yeah, right. And that's like a common science fiction thing. Like you see a thing that looks just like you, and you are like, nope, get rid of it. Nope, like, nope, yeah, kill it. it. Kill well, Freud talks about that in the Uncanny. Yeah. Right. That's that's why it's called the Uncanny Valley. Is, is he talks about like doubling, that we are terrified by doubles by looking at ourselves, right? By looking at a, another version of ourselves. That's the most. That's the worst thing. Yeah. Do you uh, better, uh, listen to? That. Sorry. Better a monster than that. Yeah. Do you listen to Welcome to Night Vale ever? Uh, uh, no, I don't. I'm it's... tragically behind. I, I feel like one of the not cool kids. Um, I just started. Like, I couldn't. When it first came out, I couldn't. Like, I don't know. There was something about it I couldn't like get into. Uh, I just like listened to pretty much the whole thing, and there is a, a little like series of episodes that it's about this, where like a double shows up, and like everyone's trying to kill each other, and it's like this whole right. like thing where it's like you this like these doubles show up, and everyone just has this like unexplicable urge to to destroy them. Like they just that's all they can think to do. Right. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. That's the that's that's the thing. Um, how many like how long does it take to get through that? Night Vale. Mm. All of the episodes are pretty short, but there are a lot of them. Uh, oh. so I was training for this like long distance bike ride. And so I was just like biking oh. for hours and hours and hours. And like, it's a good thing. Like it was nice for me to like have on just to like keep myself busy, right. you know? Yeah. So I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could catch up on it now. Like while I'm not doing that. Um, but if you have, like, if you run or like work out or whatever, it's like interesting enough to kind of keep you engaged. And each one is pretty short. They're like a good, so you can listen to a bunch of them in a row if you have sort of a chunk of time. Um, I'm trying to remember how, I think they're each like, Oh, let's see. Uh, I have it. On, I actually have it like up on my phone right now. Um, they're each usually. What is it? No, oh, I don't know. Like twenty-five minutes long. Twenty-five, thirty minutes okay, long. Yeah. So they're like not yeah. long. Um, yeah. No. That and and so you can kind of get through them. And like they all kind of follow a similar format. And like you know you get like more and more into it as it goes along. But it's very oh. weird. Um, I find it kind of delightful, but like I, the first time I tried to listen, I couldn't get into it. I was just like, I don't know what this is. This is like, right, 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 so strange. Right. Um, but yeah, they have a, there's a whole like ser- a little like ch- uh, sort of plot line about, about that. Um, okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, yeah. And I will. So the idea is that the show relaunches on the second. This episode is scheduled for the sixteenth, so it's going to be the third one. Um, okay. and I will, but if that, that might change depending on how other stuff like rolls out, but, um, I will let you know when I know when it's going to go up and, okay. uh, I will also let you know when I can officially say where this, like the new home for the show is and all that stuff. So, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah. Um, awesome. Well, well good th- luck with it. Thank you. Case. Yeah, it should be fun. This is a fun one. I've got some fun ideas for like the intro little cool. theme thing and it'll be, it'll be fun. I'm excited about this one. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, I will talk to you soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. All Have right. a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.